0: I love smoothies, but I don't love smoothie bar prices. With my Blendjet 2 portable blender, I can make smoothie bar quality beverages for a fraction of the price. Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blendjet, Blendjet 2 is Whisper Quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. And it lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you are good to go. With over 30 plus colours and patterns to choose from, there's a Blendjet 2 to complement just about any style. Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code ADRIANTAN12 to get 12% off your order and free 2-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power and innovation of BlendJet. They guarantee you love it, or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use the code ADRIANTAN12 to get 12% off your order and free 2-day shipping. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Adrian Tan show where I with folks to explore the nuances of modern work and its idiosyncrasies. Beyond just the enabler and vendors who are transforming this space, I will also include intimate conversations with people navigating newfound career pivots. They have successfully transitioned to the new career and I hope to distill their up and down in their unstructured journey so that the rest of us can learn from their best practices. And today is a very interesting episode which I've been looking forward to for a few weeks now. I would have our guest introduce a bit more about her but Lee Ismao is someone that I've been following for some time. I can't really recall exactly when I got to know about her. I think it's probably through one of the uh, videos that was surfaced to me through YouTube algorithm. But it was quite refreshing because I've been following a number of YouTubers to learn and it's really refreshing to see local teaching you how to do it because one of the things which we can get into later on, I realize when we try to learn more from um, more YouTubers is they have the luxury of many things lah. <laughs> that I would say in Singapore we don't have. Without further ado, Rene, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Adrian. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm really excited as well, as much as you. I was really looking forward to speak to you more about YouTube world, in that sense.
0: I'm very certain a lot of our listeners will be keen to hear more about that. But in in your own words, who is Renee Ismail?
1: I started off as a videographer. I'm still a videographer for now about 10 years already. So I record videos for corporate clients and also for their branding videos. So most of the time, I will be doing the recording. If not, then will be my team. But m- right now, I've already pivoted myself as a producer. So i mostly liars with clients while I disperse my team to do the recording and also the editing.
0: What actually motivated you to explore YouTube to begin with?
1: It's really jump first and swim later. It's really about, okay, let's try something new because I have been sharing a lot of video tips, how to create videos, how to create video content to quite a number of business owners who wants to start creating videos. I think during the 2017, 20, near 2018, is the era where a lot of people got on in front of the camera to create videos and stuff like that. So they were asking me some questions like how to create more better videos. Do, should they get better camera or should they get better audio and stuff like that. So I've been sharing to a lot of all these business owners and one of my friend who's also running a business, he actually just casually suggested, why don't you go into YouTube and share your knowledge about videos and to the rest one thing who wanted to know more about videos how to create videos how to create video content how to edit videos the tutorials and stuff like that so I was like "Mm, why should I (laughs) because I'm very introvert I'm very introvert even though I'm a videographer I'm really behind the camera I'm not someone who's actually doing in front so in 2019 no, 2018 itself I started recording videos of myself on Instagram so at back then Instagram also just started off with videos and it's only I think about 60 seconds long and I feel that one minute it's too long for me it's I, I can't handle the amount of pressure that I have just by looking at the camera so I remember I was so awkward and even on YouTube itself when I first started it's really very awkward for me to just look at the camera, to talk and share my tips. So I started off with tutorial videos because it was very easy for me in that sense because I will be just that small little window at the side and the tutorial window is so huge that I can just share what I want to share. So that's basically what inspires me to do is to just share out what I know about videos and I think like what you mentioned earlier on also, there's not many local Singaporeans in that context where they educate through YouTube. Yeah, but we have seen a lot of Angmos, we have seen a lot of the people in the West and they are really good at that. So yeah, so basically I think the one that sparked the bulk, is my friend who actually just casually telling me, why don't you go into YouTube and share your knowledge? That's all.
0: Do you still recall what was the premise of the first video? And is, is it still published on your channel?
1: Yeah, uh, it does. It's about how to edit videos, how to add captions on your video. Yeah, and that I think I was lucky that video got viral in that sense. So it got picked up by the platform which is called Capwing. So Capwing was one of the startup company that started off during COVID as well. So they started off doing online platform, editing videos online, putting in captions online as well. So that got quite a bit of traction in that sense.
0: Just today I received a notification through your medium that you hit one hundred video on your YouTube. So congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. So that happens over right now in twenty twenty three. You started twenty eighteen. So over four years plus period.
1: Yes, you hit zero to hundred. I took a hiatus, a one year hiatus actually, in twenty 21 because I got burned out because I did not have any plan. Like I mentioned earlier on, just now I jump first and swim later. I didn't have any plan on what to do on my YouTube. I didn't have any strategy on what I want to do on YouTube. So I'm just creating videos just for the sake of creating videos. And then it came to a point where I feel like it's a chore. Like I have to, uh, okay, this week I have to create videos. Next week I have to create videos. So it became a chore for me (laughs) to keep on creating videos. And I just went burnout. I just went on to creative block. So I went on hiatus for a year almost.
0: I I go through that almost every other week. Uh, I I am someone who aspired to put more content out on YouTube. I honestly, I think I'm just like you. I also prefer more on the behind the scenes. I really enjoy editing because that is where yeah. you can re- be really creative. Ever since I started editing video, I look at movies and series very differently. When I look at them, I don't really... I wouldn't 100% immerse myself as a audience. I would look yes. at, oh, that's where they put the lighting. Oh, <laughs> green screen. <laughs> I would pick up small little nudges and then I would try to see how I can repurpose this into my own video but to yes. your point I think I also hit a stage because I was listening to this other YouTuber and he was saying oh you want to be successful you must come up with a video every week just mm. like me every week for two years straight then your channel still sure hit I don't know like 100,000 1 million subscribers I, I think nowadays maybe coming up with the idea is not so hard because with ChatGPT I tried mm. some prompts, it can actually come up with very interesting video scripts and all. Yep. But trying to go through the motion, I do realize it's quite challenging. So yeah. what actually transpired during your sabbatical and <laughs> how has that transformed this new direction of your channel that make it less burnt out?
1: Like I mentioned earlier on, I didn't have any strategy. So what I did was I sit down and I go back to my drawing Drawing board on whether should I even continue creating videos on YouTube, and then a business buddy actually she we I have a group of business buddies, five of us. So one of them wanted to find a certain videos on my YouTube channel, and then then she was like, "How come you are not creating videos anymore on YouTube?" Then I'm like, "I'm on hiatus right now. I'm not into creating videos. I'm still I'm consuming quite a bit to see what." I can actually offer to YouTube, to the audience that, the subscribers that I have on YouTube. And also, I think I feel like self-doubt at that point of time when I went on hiatus. So it's a point where am I really cut out for YouTube because I've seen a lot of YouTube creators, especially in the West, right, where they see, like you mentioned earlier, you have to create videos weekly, twice a week, and then you have to do this, you have to do that to be consistent and everything. And it made me feel so overwhelmed. (laughs) And so what I did was I really went back to my drawing board and really planned out and have a solid strategy. In fact, I think I I created a Medium article yesterday on how I basically craft out strategy on my own and I think a lot of content creators out there really vouch for batch creating which I didn't have back then. I was only creating video per weekly Yeah, so basically if this week I have videos on Wednesday, I'll be creating maybe on Monday and then I do everything on that particular day, meaning I write the script on that day, I record, I edit. So everything, I squeezed everything in one day. So now when I came back, I make sure that I differentiate my processes where I divide my processes into days so in a month i will just have like about 4 days to for me to focus on different aspect of the process so for example day 1 i will just focus on researching so i will research on what kind of topics i should research what kind of videos my audience are looking out for what what are some of the struggles that my potential audience are also looking out for and then on the second day i will do a lot of writing Writing is one of my weakness. I don't have much strength on writing, so I spend a little bit more time on writing. Usually, I spend maybe about four, six hours on just writing. So, writing usually comprises of writing scripts, writing captions, descriptions, medium article anything got to do with writing. And then on the third day will be the filming. That's, it became one of my best part of the process, which is the filming. And then after that, the fourth day will be the editing and the scheduling. So far, where after I came back almost a year ago, it has been helping me with my journey. And I hope it continues that way because I feel that when I have these processes in place, it remind me that This is some of the days that I have to create content for my audience. And now I only focus on creating two videos in a month and the other two videos are YouTube Live. So it's easier for me. I don't really need much of editing or filming in that sense. So it's just my YouTube Live is mostly answering frequently asked questions from my audience. Yeah, so far it has been working.
0: So in the past, before your sabbatical, it was more of an artisanal approach. You have to craft yes. everything and you do it farm-to-table style within the same day, which I can imagine it can... I think one day was not enough, honestly, yeah. because <laughs> along the way, you should sure get some roadblocks. Yes, the things. correct. But, yeah. but right now, the process is more like factory-like. So Monday, do this. Tuesday, do this. That's one yeah. so forth. Yeah. But still, it sounds quite extensive because you were saying just writing itself, it takes you four to six hours. Yeah. How do you balance this with your other job how much time do you allocate for each right now are you still doing corporate videography work right now
1: if a client requires me to film i'll be the one doing the filming but i've pivoted in such a way that i'm more into a producer so i liaise a lot of the project from a to z through with the client itself but in terms of filming I will usually get my team to film. So that part of the work in terms of video videography services is off my shoulders already because I have my team to do the filming. But when it comes to YouTube, sometimes I don't, like what you said, sometimes life happens, right? You can't escape life. <laughs> so sometimes I don't do consecutively as long as by the end of the month, I've already recorded the videos that I'm supposed to publish next month, then I'm good to go. So for example, if this week, one of the day, I will do just the research usually maybe about, I don't use the whole day, maybe just two hours of it because research can be a lot of time. But I only stick to just two hours of researching for day one. And then maybe next week, I will focus on just writing and then I can have the rest of the other days to do my other work like maybe editing or looking out for clients and also depending on the what are the outstanding work that I have.
0: Having been on this YouTube journey for I think more than five years now, what in your opinion is the best thing that has happened to you? Because of this consistency? And also on the flip side, what would possibly be one of the bad things that actually happened because of this?
1: The good thing, I feel that because I take YouTube as a supplement to my business, I get quite a number of jobs through my YouTube videos itself. So I like position myself as a an expert in the video scene or video space. So I've been hired by organization to teach their community or their staff on video, how to create videos, how to edit videos. And I think in the 2020 COVID period, videos has been going on for quite a rise, right? So this is where they're looking out for trainers, looking out for, what do you call it? Looking out for trainers to teach their community on video so that's the good part of youtube because people when they are searching for someone who, who are they looking out for my video actually came out that's what I heard from so them it naturally become me. a
0: portfolio for you
1: yes correct yeah the bad side is the time cons- consumption that I have to really sit down and do all the content creation sometimes you sometimes I do have I do have thoughts at the back of my mind, like, why am I doing this? I don't, at this point of time, I don't earn from the passive income of YouTube because I know that YouTube itself is a long journey. I, that is it, That can be negative, I would say, or that can be something pe- when people are going into YouTube, right, and they have the idea of monetization through YouTube itself. And when they don't achieve it, it's something where it can be, negative they don't want to they don't want to continue so i had that some same thought and then i consume a little bit more and really is about and learn from a lot of other youtube creators and also they were also saying that youtube is really a long journey (laughs) and this is something that you have to be patient with yourself as well yeah
0: because of your day job i guess it is quite natural for youtube to become some of your portfolio but for other people out who might be looking to explore YouTube, who may not be doing videography as a main thing, as a profession, do you think YouTube might be something worth exploring for them?
1: I think, especially for service-based business, I feel that they have a lot of knowledge to share. But the only issue right now... From my personal experience, from my personal conversation with all these different business owners who are not a videographer, they feel that YouTube is a huge space for them. It's too intimidating. But however, YouTube has evolved in a sense that they have become like a social media where right now, even the community tab if you are, if you just first started out as a YouTube creator, you can have that community tab and you can converse with your subscribers through that community tab. So, I think that this is something like a small step that YouTube is helping, especially for creators who are not videographers but still do have knowledge to share to the YouTube YouTube world in that sense. Yeah, but the thing that I always heard from other creators or other content creators, they feel that YouTube is intimidating. Yeah, it's a huge space for them.
0: It is definitely intimidating, which was why I I was procrastinating like crazy to do my first video. And even after I recorded it, I re-recorded it. And of course, there was a lot of different things you have to look into consideration. I'm interested to learn about your entrance when you first started versus Mm -hmm. what you're seeing today for anyone who may want to explore having their first episode on YouTube how different it is in terms of difficulty 2018 versus 2023 coming into YouTube
1: I feel now people are people in YouTube are more forgiving they really look out for authenticity and they are okay with a non polished videos i think that's also why they started off with YouTube shorts as well and if you are a content creator and looking out for exploring YouTube. If you don't want to start off with the long-form video content, please explore the YouTube Shorts because this is something where it's also a space that you can actually go into. And if you have been creating videos in Instagram, the Reels, the TikTok, all these long-form videos, you can always repurpose your videos on YouTube Shorts first and slowly then you can always create your first video, the long-form video content between five five minutes to eight minutes or ten minutes. Then you can actually create your YouTube long-form video content on your YouTube itself. But in terms of whether how difficult it is, I feel now it's even easier because of the vulnerability of the audience on YouTube. It's no longer about polished videos and especially if you're just starting out you have less subscribers and it's okay to make mistakes when you have less subscribers and this when you have i would always say that don't be afraid to make mistakes because the one that have always been criticizing is usually (laughs) ourselves how we look how we sound (laughs) the light is not good the sound is not good everything is also not good it's usually us ourselves who actually criticize our own things but actually think really think of the audience in front of you or at the other side of the camera to basically give them that value on what they want to hear from you. They want that particular value. They want to take away what you want to say because you have been in the business or you have been a content creator for a long time. Definitely, that is something that they can learn from. So, don't be afraid to make mistakes because when you have less subscribers, there's more room to make your videos better like yeah. in cat lights you know that kind of thing
0: all yeah, right we are our own worst critic i think it's also quite refreshing for audience to learn that even for a professional like you any one of us will go through some up and down what yeah. are some of your more memorable mistakes that you've made throughout your youtube journey anything that you can share with us
1: i kept on looking at the camera lens without blinking <laughs> i had <the> a <laughs> consum- <laughs> so
0: you're having a staring contest yeah <laughs>
1: I was having a standing contest with the lens of the camera and then when I was talking, I was just not blinking. I didn't notice this when I was recording until I uploaded and then my niece actually gave me a very hard truth. She asked me, why are you not blinking? <laughs> so that's when I, that's when I noticed, hey, yeah, I'm actually not blinking and then I somehow it just feels so awkward because of that long stretch of videos, like five minutes seven minutes. I think my first video was only three minutes but it feels forever because I've never gone beyond one minute but I think the most mistake that the very significant mistake I did was not be natural in front of the camera and it's something hard for I know it's really something hard for introverts because they are not they are not so used to talking with something in front of them but I actually created like a sticker on my lens and then I put smile here so I will be I'll be always be reminded to smile and blink when I talk. So this is some of the little things that I kind of like help myself to be comfortable in front of the camera also but also if for example you're just starting out sometimes it's also good that if you can start off with interview sessions like this when you have conversation with your friends if you want to put up content on YouTube because I started out like that on Instagram so I wanted to be comfortable in front of the camera I started to interview a lot of other business owners that can give a lot of value added topics to my audience so I have that kind of conversation and at the same time I'm more comfortable in front of the camera so that can also be a kickstart to your YouTube journey to have a conversation with fellow freelancer or fellow business owner of fellow friends and just have a conversation to value add to the other person behind the camera.
0: I'm curious, do you still have the smile here sticker there or you more yes, or less, I you do. <laughs> still have? Okay.
1: Because as an introvert, I need a lot of like hype to just start recording because as an introvert myself, I need to imagine that, okay, if I finish this video, I can publish, I can, I don't have to think a lot of things. So when I have that like smile camera, I will be reminded that smile sticker, I will be reminded that, okay, I need to smile because when I when I talk, when I speak, I tend to not smile because I was I'm really into the conversation. I'm really into sharing the my thoughts. My dad <laughs> after a while my smile is just gone. So I have to like consciously remind myself to smile.
0: I completely understand where you come from because I'm also quite introvert. So mm. when I first started to be honest, even until today, for some of my videos, I go through this process where I actually look at a teleprompter. Uh, Um, more so to reduce production time because if i don't have that i realize i keep making mistakes or i will look away right because that is how i would just instinctively behave which can be very challenging so one thing that i'd like to jump straight to is as i was looking to of course decide how to do my youtube and all that i went online to look at all the different references or how other YouTubers do and all that. And of course, like we both agree, a lot of reference come from Angola, other <laughs> the Western countries and all that. What are some of the teachings that the YouTubers from the Western countries make consistently or constantly preach about that may not be that applicable in our part of the world?
1: Oh, wow. This is a very interesting question. I think for like local context, right? We tend to... I'm not sure about, I'm not sure about like other countries, but to me in Singapore context, we tend to listen more to the Angmos when they speak, especially like on videos. I think it's also because of how aggressive they can be. Like they are very, they are very, they, are very, they know what, they know how to capture the audience from like our side in that sense so i guess the difference is that we need to be as aggressive as them and then i just feel that they also know how to not sell but still sell Mm -hmm. like their services or their the products that, that they are selling through the videos it's very subtle so these are some of the qualities i feel that we all should learn from them so that we all have our local creators that can also teach on whether it's YouTube or training or even workshops and stuff like that. So I think that that's some of one of the differences that I can actually see. They are more they are also more vulnerable. And I feel that Asians or Singapore context, we are still very polished. We are really not open to vulnerability. And not open to showing the losses, but instead really share. Of course, it's good to share wins, right? But sometimes in a video or in sharing session, it's great to share what we made, the mistakes that we made. Be vulnerable. Be honest about hmm. the topic that you want to talk about. Yeah. So I guess the really the Ang are really good at that in terms of the vulnerability. That's why sometimes we could also relate even though we are not there because of the vulnerability, yeah.
0: So the level of showmanship is top-notch. Yeah. (laughs) And I think to what you said about showing vulnerability, right, maybe that is another sticker that introverts like us should paste onto the camera. Yeah,
1: be vulnerable. (laughs) be
0: vulnerable. Over and above, remember to smile. But what about some of the things that may not be that applicable as we try to, as aspiring YouTubers like myself, try to learn from people around the world in having our own channel? Maybe I can start off first. One of the things that I do realize is they have bigger rooms than us. Because most of us, HDB room, very small and all that. You look at any random Western YouTubers, right? Their bedroom is probably the size of my living room. And because <laughs> of that, they have a lot of leeway in decoration. Or oh, one light here, lah, one plant there. Right. Lah. A lot of all that stuff, which I feel if you try your best to replicate that, it will just make you so frustrated they will be like, ah, screw it, lah, I don't do YouTube do already. I <laughs> can already. But which is why I have this fake <laughs> background here. So w- what are some of the things that you may have observed that you feel that maybe locally it's just not so relevant for uh, I are think, yeah, the
1: one that you mentioned was is true but another point that i can think of is let me think what is the something i can't think of any now at this moment not applicable i think also the part where you can just be no one but still succeed in youtube Mm. that's one thing but if in local context right sometimes you need to have some kind of influential aspect like Mm -hmm. if you're an influencer or you are a celebrity you can go beyond but if it's like a normal person like myself like yourself like any other creators who wants to venture into youtube i feel it's a little bit more of hard work especially when it comes to education space But when it comes to like entertainment, fun, Hmm. we have all these NOC, those kind of videos like you were mentioning earlier on, those kind of like fun entertainment videos, that can actually go really well on local context because we are fit by the entertainment first instead of education. But for the Western, I feel they have always been having the hunger to learn that is why I think even as someone who are not influential, who are not a celebrity, they can still grow on YouTube because of the hunger that their audience have compared to local contexts. I yeah. guess
0: also one thing is those countries are so big, the audience mm. size quantitatively is like what 10X, 100X of hours. Yeah. Even if the people who love to consume educational content is just a small single-digit percent, it is already many, you know, in absolute value. Whereas in Singapore, same percentage, maybe 50 people, less than one HDB block. So trying to go in that genre might be a bit challenging. That's one thing. And also the other thing is that that those countries like US, it's homogeneous, right? Everyone speaks English. So Mm, just by having an English channel, you can reach out to more. Of course, you can be like, Mr Beast, I can translate and all that. But in Singapore context, if we want to reach out to Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, each of these actually require a different language. So I think the size of the market might be another thing to really look at and consider as well.
1: Yeah, but I also feel that Malaysia has also grown in the education space because Again, like what you mentioned, it's the size also, right? They are bigger than us. So, the in terms of the education space, I see quite a lot of YouTube creators, Malaysia YouTube creators, and they are, they are successfully creating community in YouTube space itself. I think it's also because Malaysia YouTube creators, they are also very... They don't shy away by being vulnerable. They are okay to share their... Downs, they are okay to share what their mistakes are. So I think this is something that our local creators can also learn to again back to this vulnerability topic.
0: So having been quite a long time in YouTube, are there any fellow local creators that you actually subscribe to, you actually follow, and any as uh, up and coming one that you like to recommend?
1: Up and coming one, she is instagram strategist so she's also an instagram content creator so she just started out creating not sharing her knowledge about instagram on youtube so Mm. that's aspiring youtube creator i followed local one if it's in our education space i followed this lady called j she's jamie lim i -hmm. think so yeah but she's really talking about more into like workspace she was from a Full timer, and now she jump into running a business. So it's the transition how she actually go from hi- from being hired to running a business. So I follow this too.
0: Jamie is a lady from TikTok, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah
0: Why I left TikTok before yes. we viral. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Moving along, I like to ask on behalf of the audience who might be keen to really consider putting something together. Are you able to share some? starter tips, some baby steps. If I want to really explore YouTube today, what are some of the things that is required? Let's start with the technical aspect. Let's look at equipment first. What is the basic fundamental that one actually needs? Or how complicated does the gear have to be in order to really consider having a YouTube channel?
1: You can always start with your phone because our phone, they can record in 4K format. But always use the back camera and not the front camera, because the front camera will, you high chance of you looking at yourself when you are using the front camera is very high, and you will, you will be, you will not be talking to your audience, and your audience will be seeing like, why is your eyes like different? Because sometimes in the front camera is so small that you just mm. don't know where is it, right? Yep. So use the back camera, because that's You can put a sticker there as well. (laughs) Smile. Don't be afraid of the lens. That's one. Use your phone. I think the very basic equipment if I may suggest to buy or purchase will be the audio. Audio Mm. is very, very important even if you're video has it, it's very grainy your audience wouldn't mind but if your audio you they can't hear or it's muffled or especially if you are in the education space when you don't have good audio that's when they are not going to subscribe and that's when they're just going to swipe away so invest in a very good audio for your phone i think there's a lot out there in the market like for example Boya, ulanzi road if road is too expensive it's if road is too expensive, you can always up for Ulanzi or Boya. It's quite cheap. I think less than $50. Yeah, so invest on the microphone. As for the lighting, if you have really good natural lighting, open up your windows, use that natural lighting. It's good enough. If not, then you can always buy those simple LED light that cost less than $100. Yeah, so these are some of the things that you can start off with. After that, If you feel that you want to upgrade, then upgrade to something where it's easier like a compact camera. Now, I think Sony has a very good compact camera which is a vlogging type of camera. You can actually upgrade on that. But for now, if you are just starting out, you don't have the equipment... I always advocate those who want to start out, you especially using creating videos, start with what you already have first. If you are not able to invest on the microphone, use earpiece. Just use your earpiece. Mm. You can you can okay, what I did was in my earpiece last time, I don't plug it on my ear. What I do is I clip the microphone and I just clip it on my shirt. So that becomes like a microphone, a clip microphone instead of using the earpiece. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's a good hack.
1: Yes. So, this is some of the things that you can go on with the technical aspect. Yeah.
0: So, for any beginners out there, if you have natural lighting, you save on lighting, just face yes. where your natural light is coming in from. Yeah. And you can use your handphone, use the back camera, and importantly, is the audio. So, if you already have a earpiece, <laughs> you can use that as a makeshift microphone. Yeah. Uh, if not, like I said, invest in all those stuff. How about for audience who are already a bit more advanced in the game? Maybe huh. you can share with us, what's your current setup for any typical YouTube? What are the gears that you're using right now?
1: I'm also using what I already have because I'm a videographer. So I'm using my 65 a A7C camera with my 30 lens, that's all. And I hook it up to my ca- my laptop. And then my, ca- my microphone is the podcast microphone which I had when during COVID. So, I wanted to record some videos. At that point of time, my ca- my microphone couldn't connect to the laptop. So, I couldn't use any audio. So, I invested a USB microphone. And my light is just actually a ring light. <laughs> this is a very basic ring light. But if you want to invest on those studio lights, you can go for Yun. I'm not sure whether you have heard of that. It's Z-H-I-Y-U-N. It's really good studio. They have really good studio light and it's pretty small, the size, but it has really vast light expansion. Yeah, so it can actually go on that of Godox Studio Light. Yeah, I think that's some kind of the lightings or the microphones that you can actually invest. If you don't if you're not using the USB podcast kind of microphone, you can always use the wireless or the boom mic that it's mm. available online, the Rode boom mic, that's good enough.
0: And what's next for Renee Ismail, I noted that you have started writing more regularly on Medium. That seems to be yes. one of any other new stuff that the listeners or the audience might be keen to know?
1: As of now, I'm really focusing on the medium portion. I find it addictive at this point of time because I don't find writing, I find writing a chore Back then, I didn't like writing at all, but because of the community in Medium, so that's why I write more these days. And something new as of now, actually, I have something, but I would like to keep it a secret for now. <laughs> Let me share when I got it, because it's upcoming, coming, coming next week, yes.
0: Personally, I do quite a fair bit of writing. I, I wrote for Channel mm. News Asia, I think, about 20 overtimes already. But every time wow. they ask me to write a new article, it is the same blank page syndrome though. when you start from scratch you really don't know how to do so. yeah. and most recently i actually said yes to a book deal so i'll be writing mm. a book i haven't started even though i signed like, a few months ago Sixty thousand words so i'm like wow how am i going to go through these words and, and this kind of project right if you don't deliver on time you got penalty right? yeah and listen to a Tim paris podcast and mm-hmm. one of the guests was he's an accomplished author and he was saying to Tim that actually I never write any of the book and when he said he never write that means he never typed out because he used an app called Dragon Dictate which I tried before many Mm -hmm. years ago but it wasn't accurate at least for our accent Mm -hmm. so he basically just dictate and say out what he has in mind for the specific section chapter and everything will be transcribed so all he needs to do is edit so i tried many of this Google Doc also has right built in and all that but I realize it's not that accurate because of mm. the way our English sound. Mm-hmm. With AI and all that, recently I've been exploring. I have quite a few apps on my phone right now. But the one that really amazes me is an app called Oasis. It ha- is a phone app. It also has a web version and premium version I can play mm-hmm. around. And you can choose the kind of output. So output can be LinkedIn posts, can be a very interesting one, New York Times article. So oh, wow. I tried that. Yeah, so on, on one of my drive back home, I thought of one topic. And I just kept talking to the app, no? whatever I have in mind. And you don't have to really censor yourself. Just say whatever you have in mind. And when you hit stop, the app is clever enough to analyse all your words, remove all the filler and really turn it into... I would say, la, quite similar to a New York Times article, which I wow. pushed onto LinkedIn. So, I haven't really started this. I'm thinking of really starting from July because right now, school holiday, like, with kids around, it's very hard to focus. <laughs> but once they are in school, I'm thinking of using that to write my entire book, 60,000 words. But of course, I have some framework. La. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. So, wow. something you
0: may want to consider. Yeah. There's many apps out there, actually.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. I think ChatGBT really pushes out the AI AI space that every other platform or every other software are all, they don't shy away from AI nowadays. I think if it's, if like, for example, on YouTube, there's this plugin called TubeBuddy, where you can do a lot of keywords generation and stuff like that on TubeBuddy. They also don't shy away from AI. They have this kind of thumbnail analyzer where they use AI to analyze your thumbnail, whether it's good of a high click-through rate they can you can actually upload as many thumbnails as you want and they will give you the closest or the highest possible click through rate that people will click on your videos because thumbnail on on youtube is very important it's like the windows to your soul is the first impression of your videos so your thumbnail has be to be has to be on point clear concise and good so this kind of ai really helps And I also believe that when it comes to AI, a lot of business owners try to shy away. I'm not sure why. I think maybe because they are not used to it. But I always tell my fellow business owners that take AI as a supplement to your business but not the core or the backbone of your business. It's to help you create better videos. Like For example, I use ChatGPT to help me create better YouTube titles or YouTube description or YouTube hook in that sense. So use the AI that is already available to help you with creation of your videos instead of being the enemy to the AI.
0: <laughs> I actually use ChatGPT to help me create a different episode theme and even yeah. specific script. But it's not 100%. La. Yes, it, of course. Yeah, yeah especially yeah. when I try to get it to do some humorous skit and all <laughs> that. It just cannot capture humor. La. But yes, still, yes. it is a good first yes. draft. Then you edit mm. from there. La. Because the thing Correct. is, if you try to start from blank page, it is really very challenging.
1: Yeah, you will definitely not start anything at all. Because you tend to have that creative block. It's the same when you want to first start writing script. It's also it's like that. Yeah, you just have... Just use that as a kickstarter to your start of your video.
0: And for people who may be keen to learn more about yourself, what you do, or even maybe to look at how you could help them, where can they go to? They
1: can go to my website at www.pitchypicks.com or they can always find me. I hang out almost all the time on Instagram. Also at Pitchypicks can DM me, ask me any questions about videos. So that's how they can easily find me. Yeah, I, re- I respond very fast on Instagram.
0: Any final parting words for any aspiring YouTubers or people who have been sitting on the fence, procrastinating for the longest time? Any final piece of advice or words of wisdom you have for them?
1: Your one person behind that camera, the on the other side of the camera, really wants to listen to what you have to say. They really want to hear your message. So this is your time to shine. This is where you can actually share your knowledge to your audience. Always speak to one person, of course, and that one person will definitely run, come to you and don't be afraid to make mistakes. I think that's very important. And also, YouTube is a journey. Don't be so hard on yourself when you don't attain the goals that you wish to attain. It's really about learning how youtube is really learning about how your journey as a youtube creator and don't make youtube as your core of your business but to supplement your business
0: thank you so much for coming on to the show lovely speaking with you and learn so much about your own journey your ups and downs and also some of the wisdom that can pass across to my audience who might be aspiring to become youtubers thank you so much
1: Thank you, Adrian, for having me. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you're using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.